I'd like if you would to turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. If you're in a pew Bible, that is page 860. 860 in the pew Bibles. If you've lived any length of time in our world, one of the things that you know is that it always it isn't always easy to be kind. There are times when we are not as kind as we would like to be. A couple of weeks ago, on a very rainy Friday afternoon, instead of going for a run because it was so rainy, I decided I would go to the gym and work on a, a treadmill instead. So I went to the gym and I did my treadmill workout. And then my, my right hamstring was a little bit sore. And I thought, well, I, sh- I should work that out a little bit, you know, here and uh, loosen it up a little bit. So I was, went over to a leg machine and I set my, I had the, a fleece with me and I kind of put that down on the ground and I just was starting to climb onto the machine and the guy at the machine next to me says, hey bud, I'm on that machine. He says, just like that. Hey bud, I'm on that machine. And I wasn't trying to be cheeky. I looked at him, I said, oh, I thought you were on that machine. (laughs) And I, I really was just stating a fact. That's what I thought. He appeared to be on that machine. And then he said, well, I'm using them both. I'm doing reps on both machines. So I just said, okay. And I picked up my stuff and I walked out. And I didn't stomp out. I didn't stalk out. I just walked out. But I thought to myself, he's not being very kind. And the, the way that he talked to me wasn't kind. You know, he was, uh, he was a bit rude. Now, maybe he thinks he was just stating a fact. I'm using that machine too. But he certainly wasn't gentle about it or, you know, wasn't really being kind. So I, you know, I kind of gathered myself. I was okay with that. I left, got in the car. I'm driving home. And it was just a few blocks, but I'm driving home. And I'm actually thinking about that fellow and my experience with him. And I'm kind of, you know, driving, you know, I'm thinking, you know, not, not as attentive perhaps as I should have been. And all of a sudden I realized that there was somebody waiting at the crosswalk, uh, you know, where I'm coming up to that place at the street. So I, I did kind of, ha- I had to stop quickly because I kind of caught it at the last moment. But I stopped in plenty of time. Like I, you know, I didn't enter the crosswalk. I didn't have to skid my tires or anything like that. I just stopped a little bit quickly. But by the time I had done all of that, the person who was waiting at the crosswalk had already decided that I wasn't going to stop. And they were mad. And so this fellow who was upset with me now, standing at the crosswalk, um, he does what a lot of people do when they're angry with somebody in another car, and he made a gesture with his hand at me. Well, I had already, I had already stopped, and I was sitting now at the crosswalk, and I, I had, you know, I really did give him room to cross, but because he'd already decided that I wasn't going to stop, he'd already kind of started walking out and was going to walk behind my car as I went by. Okay, but now I'm stopped. But he's already made his decision, so he's going to walk behind me anyway. And as he did, he went right by the driver's side of the window. So I rolled down the window, and I'm totally sincere. And I said to him, look, I said, I blew it. I'm sorry. I apologize. Totally ignored me. Didn't even acknowledge that I was there and just kept on going. Okay? Because he was upset. Again, I thought, I am really trying here to be kind. (laughs) Like, I was working at it. You know, like, uh, you know, he'd given me the gesture after I'd actually stopped, you know, and then totally ignored me. And I thought, boy, I, you know, I'm working at being kind here, but this is not the easiest thing in the world 
to do. Now, what's interesting in that case is that these were, of course, two males. There was a lot of testosterone, I think, going on in both cases. But isn't it the case in our society that that rudeness is acceptable? Like, there are people, like, you know, you know what happened. He went back to his house, and maybe he told his roommate, or he said to his wife or something like, Ah, oh, this jerk almost hit me in the crosswalk. So I flipped him off. As if, you know, he did the right thing. He was absolutely justified in treating me that way. Is the way that he would tell the story. Fortunately, I'm telling the true part of the story. <laughs> but if that is the way he would tell the story, and the, the guy in the gym could have done the same thing. Well, I was on these two machines I'd been working on for a half an hour, and all of a sudden this guy comes up and he's going to take the machine next to me when I'm already on it. He can see that. And so I told him, I'm on that machine too. And he left with his tail between his legs. Okay? We get in that mode. That's the way the world functions. That's the way we end up thinking. And it is so true that for us, for we as Christians, it is so easy for us to adopt the way of the world when it comes to situations like that. Like, I I think I've grown in Christ. I'd like to think that I have. Because I think that if it would have been 20 years ago, that I may have said something to the guy in the gym. Like, when I told him, oh, I thought you were on that machine, I was being serious. I wasn't being catty. Okay? But maybe I would have said to him, well, really? It doesn't look to me like you're on this machine. I could have easily said that, I think, 20 years ago. And when the fellow walked by me and I rolled down my window... 20 years ago, I may well have said something different to him than the sincere apology that I really did give him. And again, that's because it is so easy for us to adopt the ways of the world when it comes to this issue of kindness. You know, the business world books are filled with it. If you treat people in a certain way with a lot of assertiveness then you can very well get your way. And sometimes brashness and rudeness are means of getting one's way, and so let's go for that. That's just business. And my impression is that Scripture, instead of saying that's just business, says let's be aliens and strangers here. Let's be different from the world in the way in which We deal with people. Well, because we're Christians, we have the ability to behave just like everybody else. Did I say that right? Because we're humans, Christian humans, we have the ability to behave just like everyone else. And the fact is that the world loves it when we do. Don't they? I was talking to somebody just yesterday telling me about how when they behave in such a way that's not Christian, their non-Christian spouse loves it. Because they can give it to them. I thought you were supposed to be different than that. I thought Christians were supposed to behave differently in our world. And the fact is, that's right. We are supposed to be different. 
And too often, they have a case. I don't know what your experience is. Let me be honest about something, though, this morning. Some of the rudest, unkind people and remarks that I've heard in the last 30 years of ministry have been by my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know if it's because my financial support comes from the congregations that I serve. I don't know if it's because uh, I teach and I lead and this gets under people's skin. I don't know if it's because in my own humanity I have been unkind to them first. I'm certainly capable of that. But there have been times in my ministry when people have been unkind. And there have been times when I've watched Christians be unkind to each other. And there have been times when I have been unkind to my brothers and sisters. And I can't think of a single instance when that was happening when God was pleased. I just can't think of a time when someone talked to me rudely or I talked to someone else rudely or I watched two Christians interact in a way that was not kind. I can't think of one incident where I thought to myself, wow, right now God's really blessed. Instead, my impression is that God was probably shattered. His heart was probably breaking. Whether it is unkindness on my part or on the part of someone else, sometimes we are not kind people. And God wants something different for us. Do you not agree? Let's pray. Pray with me, please. Lord, I'd pray that you'd help us through the power of your spirit to be different. Help us, Father, when there are opportunities for us to be unkind. To conquer Satan at that moment and the temptations we feel. And to instead deal with each other in kind ways. Color our speech, Lord. Change our attitudes. And help us to be exactly through the presence of your spirit what you want us to be. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. The Bible has some things to say about kindness. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. And so he is God, the God of all the earth. And here's what he says. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your redeemer. There are times when anger is justified. Again, I had this conversation with somebody just yesterday. There are times when anger is justified. When someone starts talking about anger within the church, inevitably someone says, well, what about Jesus cleansing the temple? Wasn't he angry? Indeed he was. 
And I think absolutely appropriately so, as he defends his father and his father's will, as he defends his father's holiness, as he defends God against the people who are blaspheming his name and transgressing the temple. Jesus is absolutely righteous in his anger. And God himself, clearly from this passage, is at times going to be angry with his people. But notice that after God's anger, there is, it says here, compassion and kindness. And that's how he ends. That's how he finishes. He ends there with compassion and kindness. And so his anger is justified, but ultimately his character is kind. That's how he deals with his children in the end. Jeremiah chapter 9. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these, it says, I delight, declares the Lord. Do you get that? Look at what that says about God's attitude toward you being kind. Like if you ever woke up on a day and said to yourself, I would love to just fill God with joy today. I would love to bring delight to my God. I would love to praise Him and honor Him in a way that will just make God smile. Let me tell you how to do it. Treat others with kindness. That's what He exercises And when he treats others with kindness and justice and righteousness, he says it brings him delight. Kindness brings God delight. And so when you speak kindly to another, God is absolutely thrilled. Well, kindness then in us is going to stem from the character of God It's just his way. Now what that does is it means that our acts of unkindness become immediately inexcusable. Nothing else besides kindness is justified. I could have easily thought to myself, as the guy shows me his middle finger, well, now I'm justified in being angry with him. He has sinned against God and man. Look at the way he's treated me. That's not appropriate. I actually stopped. And I have in my heart lots of kindness for him. And now he's doing that? Well, I think I should set him straight, roll down my window and let him have it. And then I could have possibly driven away thinking, that was justified. Little temple cleansing never hurt anybody. He need to have his temple cleansed. I don't think that would have made God smile. I don't think that would have brought him delight. It doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what makes us successful in the world. It doesn't matter how we have been treated in the world. We need to live the way that God wants us to live. Now, here's what I think is interesting. Why are we unkind? Sometimes we've been mistreated and we respond by doing the same. That happens. It's human. They mistreat you. You mistreat them. That's the way we sometimes do it. Sometimes it's because other, because things aren't going well and we take it out on others. You've had that experience. I 
Sure, if you're married, you certainly have had that experience. Something happened, took it out on somebody else because you weren't having a good day, and so you weren't kind. And then sometimes, of course, it's because of an overly developed sense of self-worth, arrogance. I think I'm pretty good, so because I'm pretty good, I can treat others below me. I think of them as being below me in my mind. I can treat them rudely. Those are some reasons. But here's the one that I think is most interesting. What about this? Because of an underdeveloped sense of self-worth or self-esteem in us. Why is it that we are unkind? So often, I think it's not because we think we're so good but because we think we're so bad. And my low self-esteem can at times cause me to react to people in ways that I think might perhaps lift me up. And we don't automatically think that the kind way, the godly way, the quiet way, the gentle way is the way of lifting ourselves up. Instead, we think that the assertive way is the way to do that. Let me exercise myself on your will. And we think that somehow that's going to put me in a position of status higher than you. And it actually does, and especially in the eyes of God, exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do. Because most of the time, when you act unkindly toward another, what do they think? Are they admiring at that point your character? Are they thinking something particularly positive about you at that moment? You've raised yourself up in their eyes? Of course not. Now look at your text, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Page 860 in the Pew Bibles. This is a great text. In his divine power or I should say his divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay, so we have all kinds of things in Christ. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And so you participate, he says, in the divine nature because of what it is that he's done for you. All kinds of things could be in your life, but they begin to be eradicated by the presence of Christ in your life and by what he's done. Then watch this. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. So because of what God has done for us, the new nature that is ours, we now have a responsibility to respond by helping to develop within ourselves these virtues. And he specifically mentions it at the end there, kindness. Verse 8, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you need these qualities. It will make you productive in Jesus. But look at verse 9. But if anyone does not have them, He is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Now that's interesting. 
Peter doesn't say, if you've forgotten this, then you're just going to continue to sin. He doesn't say, if you've forgotten this, you're going to end up being really unkind. What he says is, if you have forgotten what God has done for you, forgotten what God has made you, then you have a totally distorted sense of who you are. It is your self-perception that is the problem. If you don't remember what God has done for you, you can't think of yourself right, Lee. And if you can't think of yourself rightly, then you can't possess these virtues. And so it is so important, it is crucial, it's absolutely necessary that you understand what it is that God has done in Christ Jesus for you. It is the key to you being all that you can be in Christ. And the moment that you forget that he's made you his child, that he has made you his son and daughter, that he has cleaned you up, that he has created in you something new, a new person that wasn't there before. It's at the moment that you forget that, that you're in trouble. Arrogant unkindness among Christians typically stems from our lack of remembering what God has done for us all in Jesus. It's not just a problem of, I'm just a rude person. It's that I've forgotten what Jesus has done to make me not be a rude person. The antidote to unkindness. A healthy perspective on who you are before God. Who are you before the Lord? What has Jesus done in your life? That's the key, I think, to being kind. Now, what that does is it immediately takes away from you the effort in the sense of trying to keep a rule. The Bible says, the preacher says, the elders say, be kind. Well, I guess I better be kind. Better get to work at that. And we miss the point. The point is not to say, I'm going to get about the task of working really hard to be kind. The point is to say, who am I in Jesus? What is the Spirit wanting to create in me? And so I open my life to the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I preached on Stampede Sunday afterwards, I finished with, uh, like I said, a number of things with goodness and kindness, both patience and all kinds of things being combined kind of in the same sermon. And Hope came up to me afterwards and she said, well, I couldn't really tell. I, I thought you were kind of focusing on patience, but you mentioned some kindness as well. And so are you talking about patience or kindness? Are you going to do kindness again? What is going on there? Well, the thing I noticed as I started to, to delve into these issues and character traits within Christianity is that you can't separate them. And it's in, interesting that Paul himself doesn't separate them. Kindness and patience, for example, are constantly linked within the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 13.4, love is patient, love is kind. 2 Corinthians 6.6, 6, Paul says he tries to live in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness. Notice patience and kindness being directly linked. Colossians 3.12, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And so... The point is, is that these are so closely connected, patience and kindness, 
that we can't separate what the Spirit is trying to do at any one point in our lives. And when you become more patient, you'll become more kind. When you are gentler, you're going to be kinder. You're going to be more patient and more loving. It's ultimately even going to end in love. Now, one last thing here that needs to be said is this. It's not just that the world asks us to be unkind sometimes in order to get our way. They certainly do that. But have you noticed that books on leadership and discussions of leadership so often head in the direction that something of something that is not particularly godly? That the character that is called for isn't necessarily in line with how God wants us to be. And they think somehow that that is going to end up in strong leadership. I think that's a mistake. Recently, there was a book published by John Dixon. A Lost Key to Life, Love and Leadership. In chapter 8, John Dixon sets out to show that in a surprising way, humility opens the door to influencing people in good ways. For example, people are more likely to be persuaded and inspired by the humble than by the arrogant. The syllogism goes like this. He's saying this is just the formula for it. Number one, fundamental to good leadership is persuasion. But number two, fundamental to persuasion and so to influence is humility. Therefore, number three, humility is key to good leadership, at least on a biblical model. Of course, it's true that you also need authority and ability and authenticity and integrity. Your life should reflect the things that you really preach in order to be a good leader. But the bottom line is is that humility is a key factor in people being willing to follow you. The perceived character, for example, of someone who speaks is central to his or her powers of persuasion. Many of you are corporate leaders. You're in positions of management. And I think there are times when you're tempted because of your positions to be unkind. We have people who are in positions of leadership here in the church as well. There are times when they're tempted to be unkind. And there's even times when we think that's the way we're supposed to work in order to get things done. Well, this book, and I think scripture, says something very different about the notion of kindness and humility, even when it comes to leadership. And so I would say, if you want to lead in the church, which after all, needs to be your goal, if you're being raised in Jesus, if you want to lead in the church, kindness must be part of your life in order for you to adequately model Christianity and influence the sheep that are under your care. And if it's not, you can't model it adequately. And so I pray that you take this whole notion of kindness and humility seriously. I think that scripture does. A couple of weeks ago, you know, we had vacation Bible school here. Lots of volunteers... You know, I, I can't remember how many, 68 or 74 or whatever it was that 
you know, that Hope added up and said it had contributed to the Vacation Bible School effort. It was absolutely wonderful. Well, two of the people who contributed during that week were Bud Ashby and David Lidbury. And all week long during Vacation Bible School, I watched these two push babies around and hold babies many times, one baby in each arm. And they did it all day long during the entire VBS schedule. Now, the only reason I can think of why they did that is because they wanted to serve, they wanted to contribute, and they chose to do so in a way that I viewed as being very kind. It's not the most um, auspicious position of leadership to be carrying around a baby that is perhaps spitting up all over you, that may have poopy diapers, that may be crying for a half an hour as you hold it. But that's exactly what I saw them do. And I know they did that because they are kind-hearted and just wanted to take care of somebody else's baby for a while out of the goodness of their hearts. And that is leadership in a significant way. We need to follow in kind. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to be different. Help us to have our speech and our attitudes reflect you. Father, we know there are times when when anger is justified. There are times when we don't come across as kindly as we should in the middle of an aggressive moment. Disagreements occur. But Father, help us through all those situations that we face to allow your Holy Spirit to produce within us the fruit that you want to produce. Make us kinder people. Help us to treat others well that they might see you in us. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.